Welcome to the Thriving New Teachers Podcast. Grigsy here. Welcome to another episode of Thriving New Teachers. This is the second episode and today I speak with Evan. Um, have a long discussion about uh, Evan's experience as a pre-service teacher um, in his final year and I think there's a lot of pointers for both pre-service teachers, uh, early career teachers and also more experienced teachers in terms of supporting young teachers. All right, uh, we're here with uh, Evan, and um, Evan is a fourth-year ACU student at ACU. I just repeated ACU <laughs> twice. That's no worries. Uh, off to a great start. Um, so Evan's doing a Bachelor of Education and uh, Exercise Sports Science, a double degree there. Welcome to the show, Evan. Thank you very much, Justin. Um, all right, mate. So let's start off with um, sort of uh, the basic question. Uh, why did you choose to study teaching? Yeah, it's the uh, it's a million dollar question, isn't it? It seems to be asked to me a lot, um, especially while you're at uni. It's like, oh, why did you choose this profession? And then, um, and you say lots of money. Um, yeah, of course. Lots of credibility. Lavish lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. All the all the pros. No, I'm. I think. For me, I had a really positive experience in in secondary school. Like, um, I attended a really good school, and I feel like that place really prepared me for what was to come in my life. So, I suppose what kind of makes me or drives me every day is how can I help these men, women, whoever I'm teaching. How do I help them prepare for what's gonna what's to come in life? And I think as much as we're trying to um, fill them with information and, and teach them um, content preparing them as people is, is seriously important I, I believe that strongly so I did a lot of um, coaching when I was like younger um, when I was going through secondary school and yeah I suppose that kind of started it off and then having such a positive experience at a Catholic all boys school like I, it really shaped who I was so that had a really big impact on me and I thought I had the I had the tools to try and impart that on other people so yeah it's that's probably it yeah seems to be a very common theme um with teachers that they start off teaching because of the they've had their own good experience which can actually provide a bit of a challenge I find um in some um circumstances with regards to like dealing with students or dealing's probably quite a negative word but working with students who don't engage or don't have that same experience with school. So, um, but, but that is a very common comment that I, I have uh, from pre-service teachers and early career teachers from, um, with regards to that. I was just interested um, to hear a little bit about that coaching experience. What, um, what specifically was that? Yeah, so I was always involved um, heavily um, in cricket clubs, footy clubs. So probably when I was about 15, 16, uh, it started to pick up more. I always had um, some talent for the sports themselves, but I kind of identified about that age that I had some good leadership qualities and some qualities that would help me um, be able to help others, I think. So that's probably the best way I can put it. Um, So I was involved at my local career club um, coaching Started off coaching really young age groups, so under 10s, and then worked our way up under 12s, under 14s. So um, helping as an actual coordinator of a team and then as a specialist coach. And then with football as well, um, I have a younger brother. He's 15 now, um, so always helping out with, with his side. And it's just something that I really enjoyed and I felt like I'd have no problem with. You know, a lot of people say, secondary school, how can you, how can you possibly deal with the kids when they're going through probably the most interesting part of their development. Well, I, yeah, I just never found any problems with it. So I thought, yeah, maybe I can, maybe I can handle it, you know, as a career. So yeah. And so far? Yeah, I think it, it has its everyday challenges for sure. Like, it's very different to coaching them in a in an environment where they are completely engaged with what they're doing and they come to a training or a game every time and they're there to 
it's almost like their escape from whatever might be happening in their life. So mm-hmm. they're always coming with a positive attitude. So it's very different when, as you said, you're kind of not dealing because it's not a good word, but when you're trying to teach and, and impart knowledge on, on students that aren't engaged. So that's probably been the, the big difference between coaching where they're doing something that they enjoy all the time and you can predict how they're, how they're going to front up. It's teaching, it's, it just changes every day. So, yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And um, I probably should provide a bit of, or we should provide a bit of context about um, where you're currently at. So um, I did mention that you're in your fourth year at ACU, but um, you're in the middle of your last week of a, a nine placement uh, with us. So um, a really good long stint in a school, um, which I think is fantastic mm. and quite rare in, in um, pre-service, educa- pre-service teacher education. So... Um, how have you found sort of being in a, one school for such a long time? Well, it's flown, like, as for starters, like, nine weeks at the start of it. You know, it's kind of like the final step of my journey, really, at, at university. So at the start of it, I thought, oh, this is, this is going to go... Like, nine weeks seems like a really long time. Um, but it's flown, and I think being in a really good environment, you, you feel like you're one of the staff, and I think that is the key thing that probably shifts when you spend a good amount of time at one school. When you're doing 10 or 15 day blocks, you, you kind of don't really scrape the edges in terms of being able to connect with the students and connect with the staff that you're working with too. So yeah, the, the staff that I've been a part of have been great and just welcoming me and um, really helping me, let me jump in with whatever classes. So that's helped but yeah feeling like a like a staff member of the school yeah. and starting to be able to command respect from the students because they you know they're used to you they see you for two three four weeks and they they end up just thinking that you've like some of the year seven and eight students just think i've got a job here now they go <laughs> they go oh so you're teaching here full time now and it's like no i'm not i'm still i'm, I'm still uh, at university so but that's the kind of respect levels that you can kind of create when you're here for nine weeks you're not here for two weeks going away for mm. a month to uni, coming back. So I think it's extremely beneficial. And yeah. it's, and it's re- mo- the most realistic to what you're going to be doing in your career. So, yeah. yeah, so you'd like to see, if you could advise, obviously, yeah. based on what your experience is, um, you'd like to see more uh, extended Absolutely. placements. I think that's where you get the most benefit. And you'd yeah. probably agree as, as, a, as a teacher and as someone who came through university mm. the placements where you're there for an extended time are the ones where you really learn yourself as a teacher and you know that yep. kind of stuff so yeah and you also get to um, I guess as a supervising teacher um, you get to really know the um, the teacher that you're working with and really work through changing or improving practices um, rather than just you know sort of spend half your half your time in a shorter placement getting to actually know the person and yep. where they're currently at so and just working out what classes they're going to teach and all yep. that sort of stuff um so just want to circle back on what you said there you said you felt like you're one of the staff so apart from the length of the placement what has actually helped with making you feel at home and i guess extending on that have there been circumstances where you haven't felt that same way in your rounds? So just sort of giving, uh, I guess, more experienced teachers an idea of things that they can do to help pre-service teachers feel. Yeah, well, I think... Sorry, did I cut you off? No, 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 I sort of... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You said this was going to happen. Yeah, that's Uh, all right. um, So I think, especially here... um, the, the way that everything was run from the first moment that I stepped into the school, the communication was good before I got here. Um, and obviously the, the current school I'm at takes on, you know, hundreds of placement students, maybe not that many a year, but like I would say a considerable amount compared to, to some other schools. And I think the more pre-service teachers you have, the better you are at accommodating their needs. I think because you, the more you have, the more feedback you're gonna get. Um, the better relationship you have with certain universities. I think it just all kind of works into having a better experience as a pre-service teacher. Um, my first day was like 
the induction was the most thorough that I've received so far um, on all my rounds. And that's something that it's pretty daunting walking into a, as a, as a pre-service teacher, like even in my fourth year, still the night before I came to, to this school to start this round, I should be feeling like I can walk in anywhere, but it's not the case. You know, you, you, I was still extremely nervous, not scared, but nervous about, you know, what's to come? Am I going to have a good, you know, supervising teacher? All, all of those natural um, kind of anxieties that might come with it. But they were all gone, you know, after the first day. The induction was thorough. All of the teachers that I kind of shared the off- an office with or a staff being the PE staff introduced themselves. Um, you can jump in with me anytime you like. Um, they, they were clearly, you know, open to having me there. It wasn't like you were treated like, oh, student teacher, we've, we've just got to kind of stay out of his way for, for nine weeks, you know. I don't want him to annoy me or get in my hair. It was really just welcoming and it's simple it seems like a simple thing to, to welcome a, a new member of staff but I think when you're a pre-service teacher because yeah at some schools you don't get treated like a me- like a, a member of the staff if you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I had a pretty negative experience in my first placement I really liked my supervising teacher but as far as the staff that I was working within it was basically just like I knew one teacher there and no one else was, you know, really conversing with me about anything. So there was no um, kind of professional conversations occurring with other teachers. There was no, it was just, you're with X teacher, you know, we, we don't have anything to do with you. So like, I felt like, and there was no like induction from the school. I never met anyone from senior leadership. You know, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to sit down in the staff room and talk to the vice principal every day. But it'd be nice, and it's a sign of respect to you as a pre-service teacher when the school, when someone like an assistant principal or someone help put, talks you through your induction, it just makes you feel like, you know, you, they're they're going to put a lot of time into you and try and develop you, and you and you feel a little bit more valued. I think, um, and I don't think it's too much to ask either. No, from, from a school. So, no, I think, look, those, you've given three main ones that I've picked up, um, and that is communication. Yeah. Um, so, from the school regarding what they're ex- actually expecting um, to do. It's a huge one, yeah. And, and especially beforehand. Um, and then in induction, so on that first day, like, you know, we've, we've heard your experiences that, you know, teaching or working with young young um or with children is not foreign to you yet you know it's natural that you come in and you're still you're still nervous on that first day so making sure that that first day is a positive experience so you know that anxiety isn't there every day that you come on placement um so that induction process is really important and then the the other thing that i picked up was that group support so um and this is this is tough because you can't really plan for this it's just it's just a culture that you build and having more than one, you obviously got your official supervisor who reports to the university, but having multiple staff who are there to support you, to have you um, teach their classes if you want, um, or, su- or even just if you want to observe their classes, that's, that's more of that culture around, like you were saying, you know, the more you take on staff, the more that, that culture builds, yep. or the more, the more you take on pre-service teachers, I should say. Um, so those, I think there's some really good tips. Is there anything else that you've sort of thought of while I've been summarising those that you'd like, you know, you, or you advise schools who maybe are looking to improve their um, their pre-service teacher training, um, like tips that you might want to give them? Yeah, I suppose I, I one from a school point of view and then one maybe for pre-service teachers when they go out. So I think the last thing probably from a school point of view would be I know it's like, it's difficult, but if you're putting your hand up to be a supervising teacher, um, and this has never happened in my experience, like on my current nine week placement, I've pretty much struck gold with with my supervising teacher and he's trusted me, he's provided me with support whenever I've needed it. Um, But I know a lot of fellow um, university students that have had negative experiences with supervising teachers. So... If you're going to be a supervising teacher, yes, you know, you have your, 
your own things to look after but you're pretty much taking a staff member under your wing for four to nine weeks whatever it is mm-hmm. so you need to be prepared to trust them with your classes because otherwise then you know pre-service teachers and practicing teachers make mistakes and we both know that that's how you kind of get better and develop your practice so there needs to be a level of trust there I know it's not always easy um, but that's probably the best way for anyone to learn I think and just the support has to be there too because if you leave a pre-service teacher kind of to their own devices sometimes that experience can be so negative that they might not end up they might think oh teaching's not for me which technically might not be correct they've just had a bad experience Mm. so I think it's crucial that your rounds not always are going to go perfectly but at the very least you're supported well I think because otherwise it's kind of like you're pretty much thrown to the sharks if you're a supervising teacher and the people around you aren't supporting you it's like well I've got to spend nine weeks here Mm. and try and it's a long time it is it's a long time to have that you know reinforcement that maybe this isn't for me maybe that isn't for me yeah um and yeah the negativity that the the thought processes that comes with those yeah yeah that feeling of not being supported and and not having yeah not having um a good experience in school but on the same like on the on the other side of the coin as a pre-service teacher you have to invest time in talking to people around you it can't be just sit there and wait for people to come to you so um developing a good relationship with your supervising teacher is really important um it's not always you know easy um but it has to be an effort from both from both ends and just get involved like if there's teachers that are taking classes that aren't necessarily your supervisor just ask most teachers will be like of course you can come and and observe or help out so i think you have to make a conscious effort to communicate with the people around you as well and seek seek out because once you seek out a teacher once oftentimes it's going to happen continuously you know you're going to be more comfortable to go to them more often and they'll come to you as well but yeah as i said it can't just be a you can't just sit there and just wait for things to come to you you know that's that's yeah yeah i get in life yeah completely get what you're saying with with regards to yeah it's great to have all those supports in place and the school and the the supervising teacher needs to be or need to be ready for you but you need to come ready to to work with whatever you get as well so there's that yeah that two-way um process and i think like with regards to going out of your way to ask other teachers can i come and watch you teach it can be a bit daunting but really the worst case is that they say no um which says a lot about them in my opinion yeah um try not to be judgmental with that but it, it does say a lot if you're not willing to have somebody into your class to watch um, I've never had a teacher say that to me though. you've never had that no. that's, I'm pleased to hear that Yeah, I'm pleased to hear that um, so that's great to hear that you've had a good experience here do you want to um, maybe give us one of your highlights or some of your highlights from your, your teaching round um, your final teaching round here highlights well, I think there's been there's been quite a few I think it's a lot of the the little things that you you get when you develop a relationship with the students I think they're the really cool parts of of being a teacher and they're the rewarding parts and I think something as little as you you know you you're walking through the school on on a Friday afternoon and um, you'll see students that you teach or students that you've seen around and that you've developed that relationship with and and they'll say you know, have a weekend to, you know, enjoy your weekend. Mm. Um, what are you doing this weekend? Just, like, just little things like that. It's like, I find them really rewarding. It's like, you've been able to not only fuel them with some information, teach them something, which is the most important thing, but you're able to develop that relationship as well. And I think that's probably one of the most rewarding parts. And probably the other thing would be um, writing my own, being able to write my own unit of work. So my supervising teacher put complete faith in me really for one of his subjects and said, write this unit of work. Yeah. You can um, make the assessments and the activities and do, and he gave me full like autonomy with that. So I've never been able to do that before. And I actually just got the assessments back um, this, this weekend just gone 
and some of the results of it just really makes you know, it makes you smile when you have put in a unit of work into the students and they respond in such a positive way and then the results of their final assessment that I'm getting back it's like they've actually taken on board what I've taught them and just like they're year nine students but they're coming up with some stuff that's way advanced so that's probably been one of the most rewarding parts I think as well and you and there's that feeling that you've you've done that like you've had that impact you know what I mean that's completely yeah. that's completely you you've so correct me if I'm wrong you planned the unit you planned the assessment and you implemented it yeah so full on like basically what you would do maybe even more than what you do in your first year because often first year you'll have resources already sitting there for you you know from um, conveners that sort of thing but that must that must really fill you with confidence it does um and yeah it shows that kind of it's 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 worth it like you know you put especially as a as a pre-service teacher you probably put more effort into planning stuff just because you've never you've never done it before so it's kind of like you have a plan a b c d e because you're like if, if yeah. this doesn't work then i need to have fallback plans so we probably spend too much time focusing on on specific things instead of giving up my time but for that you know i put a lot of time into it so to see it come off was well not necessarily come off because you always have students that aren't going to achieve um super high levels but from the kind of indicative grades that I developed at the start of the unit to the end, everyone improved. So, and some people just blew it out of the park. So yeah, it is, it is really satisfying and something that I've never got to do on past placements. So yeah, that's definitely been a highlight. Yeah. And that, that's obviously, again, one of the advantages of the longer placement yep. in that you can build that level of you know, trust and, and plan and have to actually time to plan um, the unit and then implement it. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, so your methods or specialties are PE and and psychology and psychology. Yeah. So do you want to walk us through how you actually chose those? Because um, I know for some teaching um, degrees, you don't actually specify until later on. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you ask that question because I wish someone kind of grabbed me by the shoulders at the start of my degree and said that's not going to make you really employable having those two like methods so when coming out of uni that's something that uh, coming out of high school sorry picking teaching something that you just don't think about you think you don't think oh these methods are very niche well especially psychology is a lot of schools don't offer it until year 10 anyway so for me it would be like of course I wanted to do PE you know that was my passion and I love teaching PE prac and theory components but I wish someone grabbed me and said, do English, do maths. Something that's going to make you a little bit... Like, I loved psychology in high school, and that's basically why I picked it as a method. Yeah. That's all. So, that, like, that's as simple as it was for me. PE and psychology were my two favourite subjects in year 12. And it's like, PE, great. There's a lot of PE teachers around. Um, I would have loved someone to just say, hey, this doing a method like maths or English will make you a lot more employable as like a PE English or a PE Maths. And I know that's a real methodical way to think about it, but at the end of the day, you know, you want to be able to go out and get a job at the, at the school you want to go to. So mm. having two methods that are really uh, make you employable is important. So I think that's probably one bit of advice and you might, like people might disagree with it, um, but that's probably one thing I, I would probably say to someone starting their degree course do what you like what you're passionate about but consider also especially if you're doing a method like PE where there's a lot of people doing it consider maybe as your secondary unit something that's going to be really sought after for schools I don't know if you agree or disagree with that or... uh, well it's interesting because you know as we've spoken before about this because I am also PE psychology. Yes. So, um, and and I think I was the one, probably or maybe one of the people who said that to you that it does make it a little harder to, to be um, employed because psychology teachers tend to stay in the same place for a long time and there's just not that many positions yeah. at each school. Um, but at the same time, um, I would say if you do get into that situation, just be open or just be aware of it and then be open to opportunities to expand. So 
yes, I am trained as PE in psychology, but I've also taught maths. I've taught junior science. I've taught vet business. And now I'm writing a course for RE, an interdisciplinary subject of RE humanities and the Vicarit capabilities. So, and that was just because I was, I was willing to step outside and do stuff that was beyond my scope but like and that that's just I found that's open doors you know you, you open one door and it opens the next door and um you know for some people that they'll want to stay within their comfort zone and and with good reason because it, it doesn't feel nice stepping out and, yeah. and not knowing what you're meant to be doing you're meant to be you, there's that perception you're meant to be the expert as a teacher but I've found that to be enormous in in just keeping um keeping the mind going and yeah. And also, hopefully, developing that you know capacity should anything happen, and you need to find work. Um, yeah, you, you open your, your doors a little bit more. So yeah, it's definitely not. I don't want to you know make you feel like you're in doomsday yeah. because you've you've picked two methods that you like. I think that's really important. But um, yeah, definitely being if you are in that situation where you've got quite narrow methods, looking for opportunities to expand them and um, and I think they, they present themselves and they'll continue to present themselves as education moves to a more interdisciplinary approach um, rather than the, the silos that, you know, of maths and English. Yeah. So, uh, which, which is obviously what we're, we're trying to do here. I think the difficulty with that is on placement, oftentimes the school's not going to allow you to teach out of your methods, but it's probably not going to happen. So I think for me, it's like, I would be more than happy to expand, but I think as a pre-service teacher, it's hard enough, you know, kind of getting your feet and doing your own methods, let alone expanding. So when I go out and start teaching, I'll definitely be looking to expand to maths, like it's something that I'm interested in. And I've been um, well exposed to that here, Uh, not teaching and delivering the classes, but attending, you know, two full cycles of maths lessons while I'm here with my supervising teacher has you know been really beneficial for me so yeah i agree i think they always tell us at university never be scared to teach outside your methods but i think for schools it's saying a little bit daunting it's like Mm. we're already trusting this pre-service teacher to teach their own methods like it's a bit hard for them to see me teaching outside my method as well absolutely i would agree um it's and i probably wasn't clear when i said that i wouldn't be focusing on that for pre-service yeah. teachers more i'd be more you, saying more for when you go out into yeah the, yeah yeah so when you've maybe got a year or two under your belt at least and you've got built that confidence because you you want to start off with your with your strengths and because um, it really if you do it too early you you know before you've sort of got the basics sorted and what by basics i mean you know how you how you work with students how you deliver um, content in a meaningful way and if you can't do that with content that you're really really strong on then you won't be able to do it with yeah, with new content. So yeah, um, something that that's more a development thing as you as you sort of move through your first couple of years, I would say. Um, just before we move on to sort of other topics, I'm interested to to know what a typical day looks like for you on your rounds. Yeah, so I suppose start to finish. Um, I I like to get here. Um, I think getting here earlier then you probably should is important when you're on your rounds if anything it just gives a good it just looks good you know you're, you're here early you're um, prepared to start the day I find it more beneficial for me to get here at you know 20 to 8 rather than doing a little bit of work after 9pm the night before so having that time to chill out at night and thinking I could do this little bit now or I could get there half an hour early in the morning and do it before school I, I prefer to do that um, and I think yeah as, as I said it, it gives off a, a good impression that you're, you're there you're prepared for the day you're not rolling in 10 minutes before home group and then rushing around to get to class so yeah get try and get here early and then depending on um, you know classes you have during the day of course um, I go to I attend pastoral with my um, supervising teacher every morning so that's the the start of the day every day um, and then obviously my load is six classes so most 
I would never have a day where I'm only teaching one class. So the very least I'd be teaching two um, and attending some others. I might have days where I'm teaching four and attending one. So um, it's a five on day. So yeah, and from, we've got a five. Yeah, so five just, period system. Yeah. So yeah. out of the five, there's probably at least two or three days, three days a week where I'm not having any periods off, which is good either teaching or observing. Um, so, and yeah, it would, it would just vary day to day. Um, some days just based on the cycle of subjects are really busy and some days are a little bit quieter. So for some reason, my Wednesdays, um, seem to be a tad quieter just based on the subjects that I'm teaching and Tuesday, Thursday, Friday are always full. So yeah, I suppose the life of a teacher is your timetables are, are always different every day. So yeah. And then depending on after school, I'm not, I'm not huge on, on staying too late unless we have like, you know, we've got staff meetings on or yeah. I've been attending all of those, of course, as, as required for your placement, but I'm not one that will, you know, I do things that like, I would a lot, oftentimes go to gym or go to football training or whatever I have after school. So getting home, um, having something to eat, going to gym or, or footy, and then doing work afterwards um, is probably more beneficial. I live probably f- 35 minutes away, so it's not like I'm around the corner so I can stay till five and still get home at quarter past. So a lot of teachers do it differently though. Some teachers will stay, do all their work at school and then go home. Um, so yeah, I'll probably usually leave, leave it about quarter to four every day. So finish up at about quarter past three, 20 past three. And then if I've got a little job to do or something to plan for the next day, I'll do it and then head home. So yeah, that's probably, yeah. I don't know what detail you're looking no, for. That's, yeah. No, that's good. Just uh, because I think it's important to to understand, like I'm just thinking for people who are coming out on their rounds, you know, or haven't started really teaching yet to know what a day looks like for a teacher yeah. Start before they actually start. So um, our, our school day starts at... Um, 20 to 9 yeah so you're saying you arrive about an hour before yeah, that most days yeah and stay roughly half an hour after yeah. that unless there's a meeting which yeah. of course would then run until five o'clock and, yep. um, and that's a later finish um, so what what have you been your experiences more generally um, I'm talking here with relation to meetings yeah so every I feel like every couple of weeks so obviously the the way that the school I'm at currently does it is every day three out of a 10 day cycle on a Wednesday, the students will finish at uh, 1.45 and then there'll be professional development for the teachers until 3.20, which would be normal finishing time. So I suppose it's probably not really a meeting, but a, a professional commitment for the teachers. So that's a, a afternoon where it's pupil free, but the teachers have um, some sort of sessions um, to do with um, curriculum development, um, writing rubrics is a big one at the moment. Obviously, with the the school going to a new a new learning format next year, um, so all sorts of things could happen in those sessions. Uh, I feel like all staff meetings are always Monday nights, and they're probably I'm not sure how many you'd have a term, but I feel like every two or three weeks we probably have some sort of meeting on a Monday night. And then the other one that I've been uh, exposed to a um, faculty meetings so same thing on a Monday night you get together as a department um, obviously with the PE department and it will be to do with writing courses for next year or doing planning so they're really good because you can kind of work um, really closely with the people in your department and that's been an invaluable experience for me because being able to just look over people's shoulders see what they're doing in regards to writing courses it's just stuff that you don't get to see as a, as a pre-service teacher and stuff that you don't really get the chance to do mm-hmm. so being involved in those I think they've been the most beneficial those de- those departmental meetings um, more like workshops they are yeah, yeah. as opposed smaller to, numbers too yeah whereas a whole staff meeting there's I don't know how many staff here be over a hundred mm-hmm. including you know all the the learning support staff and, and everyone that and the, everyone that comes to those meetings they're often you know it's you just being talked at you yeah. know for for X amount of time. They try and make them as inclusive as possible, but the departmental meetings are definitely where you get that 
real experience of what writing courses is like and and working in a department so yeah yeah awesome that's um that's good feedback and it's something that's important to be aware of when you're uh i guess starting out in teaching is because many people don't see that you know and at every school is different but you know you've got the departmental meetings if you're in a couple of departments you know that can be yeah two nights a week and then you might have a whole staff meeting once a week and all of a sudden it's a big it can, time commitment it can it yeah. can build up and it, you know it's it's not just the in the classroom teaching um so it's just good to be aware of what um of what the requirements actually look like so going to those meetings gives you that first-hand uh, understanding of what what you're going to have next year i think it's important as well as a pre-service teacher to to be a teacher while you're on placement don't like I know it's really tough, especially on a nine-week block. You want to be able to work after, you know, you want to be able to earn some money still while you're here because that's one thing that I haven't touched on, but it's one of the hardest parts, you know, not being able to earn while you're here. And I'm sure we'll, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> that will be something that you're going to touch on. But yeah. as much as, you know, you want to, I think just being, act like you would have a full-time position here. Go to the meetings, stay for parent-teacher interviews, stay for subject selection interviews whatever it is just try and immerse yourself it's, a, it's probably cliche as but for me it's been put my life on hold a little bit my part-time work you know some other commitments to really give myself the best chance to experience what i should get yeah. out of it so yeah that's really 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 good advice um which brings us to our qu- next question yes. which is um what have been the major challenges yeah. so far well no no money is <laughs> one of them so yeah I think it's funny, like, uh, you are entitled, and I, like, I turned 22 mid this year, and you're entitled to um, student youth allowance from, from Centrelink after you turn 22 because you become an independent in their classification. So that's one tool that you can use to kind of overcome that challenge, um, depending on how much you earn, etc., etc. But that's something that I would suggest once you turn 22, and if you're like me and that happens to fall in your last year of your placement if you've got to go on placement for nine weeks that's something that i would definitely suggest to to get going those those payments because even if it's 100 150 dollars a fortnight it just keeps you afloat really so for me i I still live at home um so the challenges aren't massive in in regards to financial i've got money saved up etc but for a lot of uni students, especially ones that have travelled to Melbourne to study, they might be living on their own. You know, they might be renting and, and paying bills and that seems like nine weeks in a row where it's very difficult. You can still manage to work part-time, but you work full-time for five days. You don't want to go work Saturday and Sunday at a part-time job as well. You want to have some rest time and some time to plan for your next week or mark or whatever you have to do. So... I feel like it's unreasonable to expect that people would still work part-time while they're working full-time, essentially. So, and maybe it's just me having a sook about it. it I don't think it's you having a sook about it. I think it's it's not just working full-time though, because you're saying working full-time like on your teaching rounds. It's working full-time in a job that you've never done before. Yeah. So it's it's that, like, because if you've done it for five years and when you're working full-time, you know you know a lot of the things they're, yeah. they're second nature to you but you're learning so much and when you're learning so much that that full-time commitment feels more than full-time it yeah. feels like probably working double so then to go and work extra on top of that yeah it's a massive challenge it's huge and i don't think you're sucking at all yeah and i think but for for me i've been able to manage it fine but I feel for the people that are a lot of uni students which are kind of living on their own and still have to pay bills and stuff like how can you do that when you when you can't earn for nine weeks which yeah, yeah as I said is not necessarily the case because you can work weekends etc but I think it's probably a little bit unreasonable to expect that of and like you expect to focus all your energy on your placement yeah. so yeah I don't know that's that's definitely been a big challenge um Another one, I suppose, like the day-to-day challenges that, that every teacher faces, you know, like behavioural stuff. It's something that I haven't, and the school I'm at now, the majority of the kids are very good, like very respectful, but like everywhere you have your, your problems. 
and I've had a class which has been super rewarding but also super challenging so they've a lot of the behavior that I've encountered is, is new. Um, and probably my weakest part of my teaching would have been, not weakest part, but probably the, the part that I hadn't explored is how do I deal with challenging behavior? Because you have to have a method of going about it. It can't be different for different people. You have to kind of work out how you deal with certain behaviors and just stick to that. And I think that's probably something I hadn't worked out yet. So being able to work on your feet and deal with behaviours as they come up, especially in a practical setting um, in PE, it's very tough because the boys are often in, uh, when I say uncontrolled environment, there's no four walls to, to keep everyone in. So if you need to deal with a student face-to-face or on their own, oftentimes you have to drag them away from the class and then you, all your attention is focused on that one student. How are you going to deal with the rest of the class while that's going on? So definitely sorting out how I manage challenging behaviour has been has been one of the things that has been a big challenge. And what, what sort of things have you discovered? Like you've sort of touched on it there with, with the consistency of approach. Yeah. Um, so students don't feel like they're being unfairly yeah. treated. Which is hard because they will, they will call you out if you're being unfair. You know that. If, if you pull up a kid and he feels like someone else is the actual culprit they'll they'll let you know that, that they think they're being unfairly treated which then creates a situation that is extremely tough to handle so what have I learned I think as much as you want to create relationships with the students not being afraid of what they th- what they're going to think of you if you you're there to to make sure that everyone has a chance to learn and if someone is interrupting others in while they're trying to learn and while they're trying to participate you shouldn't have a problem personally with having a go or, or dealing with that behaviour. Mm-hmm. So I think putting aside um, any kind of reservations about what people think of you is, is important because at the end of the day, the students are going to res- respect your decisions and they're not going to walk away and, and, you know, they might think, oh, Mr. Smead has been this and that and he's... Yeah. He's rude to us, or he's had a go at me for no reason, or something. But I think if a student is interrupting the rest of the class, there should be you shouldn't have any personal reservations with pulling them up and and making sure that it doesn't happen again. So I think that's been challenging for me as much as I want to, you know, be close with the students and and which helps your teaching. Um, not being afraid to just to pull them into line. And working out, as I said, how you're going to do that, whether it's going to be in front of the class, whether it's going to be after class, having a more personal conversation with them. It's those kind of things that are, are probably the, the biggest challenge, you know. Uh, it goes back to what I said before, but yeah, how are you going to deal with it and sticking with that? It's the the, the thing is that there's such a buffet of options with, yeah. um, with class, class management's probably quite a negative term for it, but... Um, yeah, being able to find make a working environment for everyone, um, and it's also for me something that I always um, harp on about with my pre-service teachers is making it sustainable, because it's one thing to be able to do it for a couple of lessons or do it for a round or yeah something like that, but it's got to be something that feels natural to you. So some some teachers still um, find that you know blasting students is is what comes naturally to them and it works for their classroom management and not that's not my approach um i find that um yes sometimes you need to be quite stern but um i found early on having had that behavior model to me quite a bit because that was a bit more the norm when i went to school i found that exhausting when i when i tried to do that sort of model that sort of behavior Puts you in a terrible mood as well you, yeah. walk, you walk out of class and you're like oh, that was, you know it, exactly. it really does drain you yeah yeah and you go could i can i maintain this you know i'm in this for the long game hopefully do i do i really want to be doing this for the next 30 years and it's not about that student at that moment in time it's about creating something that is sustainable for you in terms of like creating that working environment which feels right for you allows you to 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 teach in a way which doesn't you know which is as clear as you can possibly be 
but also um, enables the, the students to learn well and feel respected. And for each person, it's going to, you know, it's everyone's got different personalities. Yeah. So it's really about helping them find, um, early on, I think, find the strategies um, that work for them. And that comes through trying things. It doesn't come through just doing the same thing over and over. It comes from trying different things. And often those things that you try, surprise, surprise, come from watching other people. Yeah. Because you see them do other things and you go, ah, ah, why haven't I ever tried that? Yeah. And I still have that experience, which is why I love having um, pre-service teachers. I love going and watching um, other people teach. I think it's so beneficial and we do it, unfortunately, we do it too little, I think, in our profession. It's not encouraged enough. Um, So I'm aware I haven't asked a question. I've given you a bit of a break there, which is probably nice after talking... Uh, for a fair while Um, I think we'll probably almost wind it up but uh, interested to know where you're at in terms of full-time work Um, you know so another concern for people finishing their rounds is where where next you know obviously you do this degree for a reason Hmm. where yeah where are you at so like it's been something that I was always set on was was going and traveling after I, I finished my degree um because just I was in you know school for I don't know how long you've got 12 years in primary and secondary school and then four years at university it's a long time um, I think to be in a very similar environment and especially studying teaching I haven't really left school so I think to me it was a bit just like I want to go and do some traveling I've never been to Europe so it's something that I always had like my mindset on doing so that's probably where I'm at next year um some sometime in the second half of the year I'm starting to put things together for it now so it's an exciting step and then yeah but I'm hoping to be doing um CRT work as soon as school year starts next year so I'll still have to be registered for VIT to do that um so yeah I suppose as far as looking for full-time work it's not something that I'm, I'm doing at the moment and when I say I'm not looking I'm definitely looking at positions you know and it's good to just kind of get used to the, the what you would have to do to go and apply um, I'm writing a CV which is something that is I think is quite difficult especially for teaching jobs you know your application changes almost every time so but just a basic one um, so I've been doing that but yeah not not full-time work next year but while I've been on this placement it's been something that I've grappled with a lot because I've thought geez I really like this I could really see myself going into full-time work next year yeah. but it was yeah like that commitment to go and, and get away and travel before I started was something that I was always um always set on doing so yeah I suppose um not looking for for full-time positions but I will say looking for a place to do CRT work is something that the uni probably didn't really touch on at all. We had a lot of, um, we did a, a winter unit which was all about transition to the to the profession and there was a lot of talk about applying for full-time jobs, you know, registering as a full-time teacher, etc, etc. And there was plenty of information on that but I don't know why but there was probably nothing really said about if you want to get CRT work, this is how you go about it. So mm. um, that's probably an interesting one. Um, so, and CRT. Sorry to cut you off, but CRT yeah. work just for people who maybe don't know is yeah. replacement teaching. Work, yeah, where you basically casual. You could get a week um, at a school. You could get a day. Sometimes you can even get a term. Yeah, um, it just depends. Yeah. So that that would be something that I'm really interested in to do. Obviously, I'll keep my, my part-time job outside of outside of this and, and keep working there to save up so I can head away. But yeah, I wanna be doing CRT work as soon as, as soon as next year starts because this is definitely what I wanna do. So I don't wanna be, have done a four-year degree and not do anything in regards to, to what that four-year degree entailed in my first year out. So yeah, no, definitely, and then hopefully um, the year after, I'll be I'll be working full time. That's the plan. So, so looking for jobs. hundred oh, percent. Yeah. End of next year. Hundred percent. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. Hundred percent. So, that's um that's a definite the definite uh, probably the only definite at this stage is twenty twenty one will be the the year that I I'm looking to work full time. So, and go out and start. So yeah. But yeah, as I said, it's been difficult because 
I've thought to myself a lot of times over the nine weeks, should I go travel? Should I go straight into it? What, what's the best thing to do? Like, I, If I don't go and work full time next year, will it affect me when I'm trying to apply for a job the year after? So it's, yeah, it's been a lot of things to think of um, and consider. But yeah, that's that's probably my plan at the moment. So yeah. It's a tough decision, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, you want to, there's the, you know, getting out into the industry and, and feeling like you've, you know, you've, you've got to start. And then yeah. there's also, like you were saying, it is a long time to be in the same place. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I take my hat off to you in, in looking at going traveling and giving yourself a bit of time to, um, to mature before you're yeah. not, you know, your answers are obviously shown a great level of maturity here. So but I'm still, certainly not saying you're not mature. But, but still it is, it is a thing like to go and just go up a little bit more like, yeah. and, and just to be a little bit more, like I often sit at home and go, like just and often I'm pretty sure a lot of pre-service teachers would think this. Like, am I really ready to take on my own classes next year? Like, you sit there and go, I don't, th- I don't know if I'm ready for that. So, which I'm sure all teachers going out there for the first year think the same thing. So, for me, yeah, it's just a little bit of go away, give them, get, have some time to myself, um, go see places I've never seen, and yeah, just. Not that I think I need to mature to go out and teach, but yeah, just just, just another year, I think, because I, I sit down and think I'm, t- I'm 22 years old, so, you know, extremely young to have finished a, you know, it's often, it's a lot more normal these days to, to be studied up and, and ready to go full-time work at 22, but it's I still got a long way. I still got a lot yeah. of time to teach, so yeah. And if you go out and get a full-time job that you like, yeah. then You're not you, gonna may, wanna, yeah. you yeah. may never you know yeah never want to leave it agree yeah um that's the that's the trouble if you it like yeah. you know you get almost handcuffed into a, a really nice position and and then all of a sudden the opportunity passes yeah um so look i think uh we'll have to watch this space yeah um and i look forward to seeing where your teaching career goes mate because you know obviously our interactions throughout um this round of have, have been relatively limited but um you know, I have heard some amazing things and your answers today have shown a, a huge amount of maturity. So uh, I think you've got a huge future in the profession and um, I look forward to seeing where that takes you, mate. So thank you very much. I think we'll, we've, I've asked you about every question yeah. in the book. Um, I appreciate your time and I hope that um, pre-service teachers um, and teachers get something from, from what you've said today. So thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on, Justin. Appreciate no it. No worries. All right.